Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is October 15th, 2018, and I'm here with Danielle, and we're going to talk about rehab body brokering, exposing the lies and the corruption of today's rehab. Uh, A couple of resources I want to give you. Um, There are three films that I think if you are a person who's having trouble or a loved one's having trouble, the first one is called The Business of Recovery. I believe that's out there from 2016 on Amazon. Um, or Vimeo. The next one is my film, The 13th Step. And the third one is One Little Pill that was made by the famous actress Claudia Christian, which teaches you all about the Sinclair Method and science that can be used, especially with alcohol uh, dependency, where you use naltrexone and the Sinclair Method. Um, This is a part two. Um, I'm going to re-upload the part one later of rehab series on what to look for when sending a loved one to rehab or going there yourself We're going to explore the pitfalls and the dangers of 98%. That's right. 98% of all rehab in the U.S. and the U.K. are 12-step based. I would say that I would make sure that the rehab is located in a commercial zone, has a doctor and nurse on location 24-7 if you need to detox from alcohol or benzodiazepines. Ask if it is based on a 12-step or AA-based. Stay away from AA and 12-step based is my recommendation. A is based on 1935 religious conversion ideology. It's not based on science. It was never researched, never vetted. The book was written and uh, published in 1939, and there are about 100 people that he's talking about there. So not a lot of science there. Ask for smart recovery. MAT, which is medically assisted treatment, harm reduction with cognitive behavioral therapy known as CBT. Make sure there are trained PhDs or MFCCs and that you're not dealing with an ex-addict or somebody who just went through that uh, facility two months ago. And um, so with no further ado, I'm going to bring on Danielle, and she's going to explain to you a little bit more about rehabs and what to look out for. Hey, Monica, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, just like I was saying in uh, the previous episode, you know, that was kind of like, I guess, the clinical stuff that goes on, or if you can call it clinical, uh, inside a rehab. I just think that a lot of people have no idea what happens, and I think that they think there's a lot of one-on-one therapy and stuff like that. And 
Um, and, and just another important thing I wanted to say, too, is that uh, a, a lot of times what happens, and, and this has actually been documented, um, and it has been studied, that individuals, let's say, that uh, come into a, a rehab, particularly in uh, South Florida and in Southern California, let's say for a pill problem or a drinking problem, you know, um, it, it's, it's the chances that your loved one is going to leave and then develop um, you know, an IV drug habit, uh, the chances are really high, and the reason is because of a lot of uh, the so-called therapies that goes on there, which uh, deals with a lot of devaluation, a lot of shaming, and, um, you know, and things like that. And set that aside, uh, also what a lot of people don't know is that there is, believe it or not, a huge um, criminal and corruption component behind these treatment centers, sober livings, and uh, so-called rehabs that actually you know, um, they had to, the FBI had to create its own special task force in Florida and most recently in Southern California because it was getting out of hand. And uh, what was going on was uh, a lot of body brokering, which in um, one form or another is a form of human trafficking, which is uh, basically a lot of these so-called outreach and marketers. And what that means is people that are, you know, placing people in rehabs, uh, we're, you know, we're getting paid per head, we're getting kickbacks, uh, and, and the reason why this is, you know, number one, illegal, number two, you know, super unethical is because, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if this marketer's number one interest is getting, you know, paid on an individual, their number one interest is not seeing what, uh, what, what treatment is catered to the individual. For example, let's say you have a girl with a problem with addiction and she also has a severe eating disorder, you know, because this marketer wants to get paid, you know, anywhere from you know, $1,000 to $7,000 on one individual, he is going to place her at a really, excuse my language, shitty rehab that's going to pay him this amount of money that has no eating disorder component, no mental health component, and then this girl's going to get harmed a lot more, um, you know, versus if she went to a real clinical facility. So um, a lot of uh, insurance fraud, double billing, um, you know, UAs, your analysis became a goldmine for these rehabs. And it became really out of control, and two years ago, you know, the FBI created its own special task force down in South Florida, and they really cleaned up uh, out there, and they really they arrested a lot of people and raided and shut down a lot of facilities, and um, and they're just starting to kind of you know try to emulate and do the same in Southern California, um, but it's but it's really hard. So in in addition to, and I know this all sounds really bleak, um, but it's important that family members and individuals and loved ones know this. So, um, you know, they're, they're just besides the fact that the treatment is not only mediocre, below par, if you even want to call it treatment, and a lot of it can, can be actually more detrimental to uh, someone's mental health and even their, their, their addiction, you know. Um, and then on top of that, you have this whole level of, uh, you know, criminality and, and corruption. So it's really sad. It's really scary. Um, you know, I tell family members to make sure that you ask the right questions to the person on the phone. Like Monica said, you know, what are your credentials? What level of education you have? What is your experience? What makes you qualified to do a clinical assessment and pre-assessment over the phone? Are they asking the right questions? Um, what agencies is your uh, facility accredited with, even though a lot of these accreditations really don't mean much. But these are important questions, and if someone is stumbling over the phone or they get defensive or anything like that, that's a red flag to, to look out for. Um, lots of different things, you know. And if it, it, But the bottom line is if any of you guys are getting defensiveness on the phone or pushback, that's, that's, a, really, that's a really, really red flag because a true 
facility will never, they'll answer your questions. Like if you would call a hospital, hey, what kind of, you know, what, what kind of, you know, what, what do you guys do? Anybody that's getting defensive, it, I'm telling you, if you're just asking them, hey, listen, how, what kind of uh, clinical component do you guys have to get defensive? That's a red flag. Another thing is, too, I want to let people know that those that are in relationships, um, you know, marriage or, or, you know, couples that are, you know, one is, in, you know, having problems with substance abuse and the other isn't. I just want to give you guys a heads up that what's going to end up happening if you send them to a rehab, even if the relationship is fine and good and you guys have been married for a long time or in a relationship, short time, long time, it doesn't matter. These rehabs, the number one goal is to separate and break up all couples. I know it sounds outrageous, but it's, it's actually really not. Um, they try to separate, you know, they'll, they'll spend some time with the, the, the loved one who sent them to treatment on the phone and then the, and then the, uh, and then the other one who is uh, in rehab. And they'll do whatever they can. And mind you, this has nothing to do with the clinical. There's no clinical research in that, you know, codependency and all of that. There's the, it's just kind of like an AA rule. Right, right. So can you imagine going to Cedars? Like I have a couple. This is really rare. They both had brain tumors at the same time, and because I, and they were in Hawaii and they didn't have somebody who could, at, at that moment, they didn't know anybody, and I had experience and knew somebody here. So can you imagine at Cedars if they said, you can't come here, you're like a married couple, you can't come here for treatment. Um, and the other thing that I was really kind of found outrageous is that I had had like um, breast cancer before I met Danielle, and I went, you know, and it's pretty expensive, but I got to tell you, it wasn't thirty thousand a month. I was there for, you know, less time, of course, but I was treated by I was treated by doctors and nurses, and there's like, you know, codes of ethics of how a patient is treated. And you know, it's interesting how they're called clients and not patients, because if this really was a disease, I mean, we know that you know, mental health is really, a, really a problem. It's really a disorder, but you know. Addiction is not a disease, and this is the part I'm, you know, just going to speak about this now because if some place was real, like some of these places that Danielle has told me about in Florida, where they are in commercial, you know, zones, and you have doctors and nurses, and you feel like, oh, I'm really, you know, I'm really being treated for something here. But in California, it is the most unregulated state, and I know I said this in the first episode, but the more I found out. Who could open this place? How they're fighting the regulations up in Sacramento. Why would you not want something to be regulated? Why? Because these AA members are running this place. And, you know, we just had a bill that got passed, like, last week when the whole Kavanaugh thing was happening, where there's this ton of money that's going into mental health. And mental health, is going to, they, they pull in substance abuse. So... I think it's super important, like Danielle was saying, that when you call, if anybody does get defensive with you, you really know that this is a red flag. And that even if you went to, like I have a friend who had a friend, friend of a friend, right, who went to Betty Ford, their kid went to Betty Ford, and he went along to be supportive. And he said that this guy came and was like checking him out, like up and down, like who are you? And, you know, he's standing there like, oh, I'm fucking, I'm a big shot, whatever. The only thing he had was like 15 years in N.A. And they act like, oh, I got a lot of time and I'm a badass. You know, that doesn't make you an expert that doesn't make you a specialist it makes you a fucking ex-addict that's it dude you know and i think that if any family member feels intimidated or thinks that these people oh, and here's another thing when they say that only we can help you and that your family can't help a person that is such horseshit it's absolutely bullshit and i want to make a plug for a couple of places one is the center for motivation and change out of new york i think i said that in the last episode there are really good Facebook groups, Families for a Sensible Drug Policy. So that's a group that's based out of New York and Pennsylvania where you have uh, Barry Lesson who's trained in, uh, in family therapy for this as well. 
uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to hand it back to Daniela now. Yeah, Monica, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I totally even for, forgot. Yeah, if, even if you're a couple and you're trying to go to detox or let's say rehab together even to be like, hey, listen, let's let's do this together or whatever, you will run into 95 to 98% blockage. No, they, people will not take you. They will turn around. They'll be separate. They're like, you guys are sick for one another, all this stuff that's never been clinically proven um, or anything like that. So you'll you'll run into that. Another thing that's really alarming, like Monica was saying, is that there's no there's actual real science to either curb addiction and, and to really, really help. I mean, just kind of like how medications came out for mental health and you know, there's stuff, there's really, really amazing stuff that's coming out to help people with addictions, and it is not getting through. This is not a conspiracy. This is not, you know, some, you know, out there content. This is the truth, and many people are surprised and shocked, including a lot of doctors and, you know, PhDs, and they're like, we cannot believe that, you know, this is being blocked all over the rehabs across the country. For example, Matt that Monica mentioned, medicated assisted treatment. You know, this is, this is what happens. Like, let's say someone's been, you know, drinking alcohol for a, a, a very long time. You know, they're going to, you know, put them on, you know, something like Librium or let's say Ativan or Clonopin, you know, to kind of calm the nerves down and calm down those GABA receptors for a, a period amount of time. Now, if they decide eventually down the road, hey, I don't want to be on these meds anymore, it's a personal decision. Number two, for opiate addicts, it's really important as well. A lot of them, they're just detoxing them and they're like, all right, Figure it out. It's abstinence from here. It, it, they can't even just the brain chemistry coming off of this kind of stuff, you know, um, and, and that's where, like, suboxone maintenance comes in. And, and it gives people a chance to kind of, like, settle down, get a job, and to, just to maintain some normalcy and what these rehabs are doing. They're detoxing them, figure it out. And, and it's really – it's just the AA community that really frowns upon this stuff because they say things like – and I think if doctors really knew this, they'd – be appalled because these rehabs teach people that medications is a blockage between you and God. And yes, this happens, and they do this in the year 2018. And, um, you know, and a lot of things that's really sad, too, is that uh, let's say a lot of these, you know, people, they do decide they want to go the mat route, and let's say a lot of them do still, because of the social aspect, want to be a part of a recovery support group. They are ostracized, shamed, and devalued because they are on medications, which is horrible. It just re-traumatizes these event individuals all over again. So that's the, the second thing that's not being talked about. So, you know, if you want to send a loved one for yourself, really ask them, do you incorporate MAT, medicated assistant treatment, in your facility? If And remember, it's a personal choice. I always tell people it's a personal choice what you decide you want to do. Your second thing is the Sinclair method. This is absolutely amazing. It's being done in Europe and is not at all. I mean, people can't. People have no idea what it is. Like, and this is based off of science, just like medicated assistant treatment, real science that is never... Um, it's never being addressed in America. It's, it's beyond bizarre. And, um, and also, I want to tell family members and individuals to look out for keywords. All facilities will say things like evidence-based treatment. Ask them what they mean by evidence-based treatment. All it is is a buzzword. Um, they, all these facilities will say the same thing. They have high success rates. Ask them, hey, do you have any published studies? Do you have any studies actually um, in long-term results for your rehab? And again, someone that's really wanting to help you, and this is a credible facility you know, give you, uh, you know, pushback or get, you know, defensive on the phone. Uh, a lot of other things, you know, plant-based medicines, plant-based science medicines. I mean, there's a lot of stuff and research that's being done with psilocybin. 
you know, ayahuasca, especially Ibogaine when it comes to addiction, that's really transforming people's lives. Again, a lot of pushback for that. So this is a smart recovery as well, a lot of pushback for that. So it really has to depend on the individual, where they're at, what they want to do. You know, ask your loved one, what do you think is going to help you? That's the first thing AA members will say, do not do, but do it, please. Everybody inherently knows at the end of the day, even if they're self-destructing, destructing what is going to work for them. Don't disregard that. Don't don't discard that. You know, I, I really believe in that. And, um, you know, and then just, like I said, this is not conspiracy stuff. This is an industry as a whole that is not only majorly corrupt, but it's, it's, it's not helping people. You guys need to understand that, in fact, it's hurting people. It really is. A lot of people end up leaving these rehabs, you know, with their addiction becomes raging a lot more than they did, you know, coming into these places. Their mental health deteriorates, and unfortunately, a lot of people will overdose straight out of a rehab. They'll and they'll even commit suicide. I mean, this is stuff. Uh, and only now, other other people are starting to talk about this as a reality. Like, hey, listen, you know, we we only have a five percent success rate. What the hell is going on here? So this is only starting to be talked about now, but it, this is they're only scratching the surface. It goes way deeper than this, and, and people really, the message needs to get out there. There's other methods. There's other ways. Do, do not listen. And exactly like Monica said, just because someone's an ex-addict does not mean, and it, they can only, you know, maybe they can relate on some level, that does not mean that they're an expert and they know how to treat your loved one or you. You know, that doesn't mean anything. It, do, it means that somebody is not being a criminal anymore, I guess, you know, or not to self-destructing, you know, good for you, you know, good for you for doing something that you shouldn't have been doing, you know what I mean? But that does not mean that you are an expert on mental health and addiction. Wow, that was great. Okay, so here's the other point that I was so shocked that I I learned from Danielle. It was about body brokering and how you may call an 800 number, and then that's all you're, I think we already talked about this in the other episode that I'll upload later, but that um, where they push that you should go to a sober living, where a lot of people are really ready to go home, okay? There's some, other people could use support, but the corruption of who you're getting when somebody really, really is pushing, oh, your child needs to stay here for 10 months or a year, I want you to talk, talk educate uh, the parents and the people, Danielle, on uh, what you educated me on, the, you know, who's getting paid, what they're getting paid, what, and how to look out for these pitfalls. Here we go. And, yeah, a lot of people think that it ends with just a loved one getting into treatment, right, or you getting into rehab. Like you, you're initially on the phone with that person. No, this, this rabbit hole goes much deeper. And the reason why I'm laughing is because it opens up a Pandora's box of a world that, like, people don't even know about. So usually how it is, it's detox, rehab, 30 days, whatever the case may be. And then towards the end, they need to do another upsell. They need to push you to go to their IOP, which stands for Intensive Outpatient, in conjunction with the sober living, you know, and they, they push, they push, they push. And what it is, it's that the reason why they're pushing is because, um, you know, the, the sober living that they're referring to, if it's not owned by them, it's owned by somebody else, and they're paying these rehabs. Here's, here's a portion. Here's either they're doing it by contract or per head. However the case may be, they're not doing it because they care about your loved one. They're doing it because there's some sort of uh, monetary transaction being involved. So, and then here's the thing, it's the, it's the same for everybody. You could be a 48-year-old uh, male with a problem with alcohol and a, or a 26-year-old problem with heroin. Everybody needs to go, uh, you know, to, re- to sober living in IOP, which is not true. And they will push. Some, some people are married, like, hey, listen, I completed, I need to go home. They will strong-arm you, you know, they will strong-arm you. No, you need to go to sober living. It's not true. You know, originally sober living, really what it is, it's, it's a halfway house, which was, you know, intended for people that are getting out of prison or jail, whatever the case may be, in kind of like a in-between transitory period, 
to get into the real life. And it serves a purpose somewhere, you know, for some people that are had uh, problems with addiction and totally, you know, um, made a, a disaster out of their life and they have nowhere else to go. However, this should not be a norm. This should not be a standardized norm for everybody. Some people should go home. In fact, they've done studies that they said that being around family members, you know, and, and for aftercare and, and in rehab, doing rehab in your own state. Another thing, you, nobody needs to leave the state to do treatment. They really don't. You really don't. Like you don't. If someone's telling you, hey, you've got to go to Florida, you need to get away from your environment, that's not true. In fact, they've done studies that if family members and support groups and loved ones are close and participating in your treatment plan, they have a much better rate for success. And same thing, too. If someone after rehab is like, listen, I want to go home. My life and my family is here. Don't let anybody convince you. Now, if someone, let's say, did deteriorate their lives and they, they've exhausted all options, maybe for them starting over might be a good thing. But to, to normalize something like this is not right. You know, and nobody, you, if someone's telling you on the phone, your loved one needs to leave the state and blah, 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 and they'll use any trick over the phone. Some some people have, like, uh, um, what are they, they're on probation. They can't leave the state. You will get somebody on the phone that will lie and tell you, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just get in the plane. We'll get you a ticket, which, mind you, is illegal. Rehabs can't. If anybody's also offering to pay for your ticket to come to treatment right away, that's a red flag. That's 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 illegal. That's that's called client enticement, and uh, and it's also considered insurance fraud. But it's done all the time. That's a number one red flag. Second thing, they'll be like, no, we'll fly you out of here. Don't worry about your probation officer. As soon as you get here, we'll call him, send him a letter. You're going to be fine. You know what I've seen in the past that a lot of some probation officers will be like, yeah, okay, fine. If it's strictly a drug offense, a lot of them won't, and they'll put a warrant out for their arrest and it'll cause them a lot more problems. Um, so these are things to really look out for, uh, you know, and just to keep in mind, the biggest problem in all of this, it doesn't matter if they're doing rehab in their state, they're doing out of state, all these rehabs are pretty much the same. Um, you know, it, they really are. They all function the same. The groups are the same. The therapy, if you want to call it that, is the same. So really look for, if you're going to look for keywords, look for smart recovery, look for, find out what your loved one needs. Ask them what do they think will help them. That was fantastic, Danielle. And I think it's important that if the family or if you um don't like AA, and then you get there, and then you find that this is just all, you know, AA, that you have a right to get your money back and to leave, that there are some places now that are putting that on the website, and then you get there, and that there's no smart recovery. The other thing is that if there isn't any in your state, or your, I mean, in your city, uh, it is really fast-growing smart recovery, that you can go, they have 24-7 online support, and that there are, that there's a lot of support in that. Now, the, one of the other things that uh, I wanted you to talk about, um, Danielle, was a prison environment. You talk, you call it a gulag in sober living. I'm just going to say that and just talk about that. Yeah, another thing is, too, especially for individuals, I mean, people will be really surprised. They do kind of like a bait and switch. You're looking at someone's website. You're talking to a person on the phone, and they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to take care of you. And it seems like such a warm and loving therapeutic environment, serene. And then you fly wherever you're flying, and you get there, and then, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to take away your phone. You're not going to have your own cell phone. Now, people get shocked by this, but it's also kind of a – it really is an, an AA thing. Like most, like, therapeutic play will be like – it doesn't matter if you have a phone, you don't don't have a phone. If you want to get better, you're going to get better. But eight out of ten times, these places are going to take away your phone. They'll lock it away. They will give you no contact with anybody in the outside world, which is very frightening for people. If you know, Think about it. Someone's coming off of high doses of benzos and alcohol. They're shaking. They're scared. The only thing that might be a comfort to them is that cell phone where they can talk to their loved ones. And they're taking that. They, they strip them of everything. And what's crazy about this is that people are going in this willingly and paying a lot of money to do this. And they're charging their insurance companies a lot of 
money to do this, you know, and so and then and they get tricked because they're in such a vulnerable position. Well, I guess this is what I need to do. They take away their cell phone, they limit their contact with the outside world, phone calls are being monitored, and it is such a uh, like like I joke around with Monica, they're like gulag camps. You know, you're being watched and monitored for everything. You can't you know do this. You can't talk about this. You can't talk. It was such a restrictive environment. A lot of these places, and it ends up being scary. And if there's somebody really suffering for, from trauma, and, and and that's why they're abusing substances, going to these places, I'm telling you, is going to make it worse. You know, especially if there's like women, you know, that were in abusive relationships or they, you know, they've been traumatized and, you know, in, in, in very restrictive environments. And then to come to a place like this that's going to once again tell you you're powerless, this is what you need to do, there, that is in no way, shape, or form therapeutic. So aside from the whole prison mentality that they got going on, a lot of them have walkie-talkies, they'll follow you wherever you go. It's, it's really, it's like an Orwellian nightmare a lot of these places. Sometimes you don't even think you're in America, you know. And uh, the second thing is, you know, the second thing is, too, a lot of them do what's called confrontation therapy, and you can't, I can't even believe that nowadays this is still being done. I read about it that back in the 60s and 70s during Sinon and all that stuff. That's where that stuff got invented, and it was like they're yelling and berating to, quote-unquote, tear you down to build you back up, which is so inhumane and it's it's insanity to me that it's 2018 and some facilities are still participating in this and predominantly the ones that do it are very hardcore 12-step places and they will sometimes sell family members like listen we know your kids are problem we're going to turn them around well what you don't know is when you're sending them to these places they're like wilderness camps times 10 you know they're going in there and everything is being scrutinized for example i know a house in los angeles actually it's a long-term kind of sober living iop if you want to call it that that's like a year minimum and it's a, a young man that go there, and let me tell you, they, for every minor indiscretion, you didn't fix your bed, you have to write a 500-page essay on why God thinks you're a slob or something like that. I'm not kidding. This is real stuff. In Los Angeles, mind you, you know, things like, you know, okay, any time that they catch you in a lie, like this stuff has nothing to do with addiction. What you're going to do, you're going to have to come inside a room every single time and announce yourself, hey, for example, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a liar, you know, um, constant shaming. and Yeah, oh, no, that's, it's a house here in, in, in Los Angeles. So a lot. This, so I'm letting all you guys know, I'm not doing this to, like, scare you, but you're better off being informed you know, verses and really do your research, please, because, like, just because someone reaches out and, like, hey, mom or dad or, hey, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get help, people think that's it. Okay, fine, this is the hardest part, it's over. A lot of times you don't even, this is only the beginning of a path to real self-destruction. Wow, we got to talk more about this when we're off the phone. Um, I want to talk about this with the Marty Mann House that's in Duluth, Minnesota. So I know a guy who contacted me from Maryland who knew this young, uh, she was in her late 20s, who committed suicide after staying at the Marty Mann House. You want to stay far away from the stepper shit kind of places. And these are very old school. They've been around a long time. And she was made, because she missed going to an AA meeting, she was made to scrub the floors um, the stairs, and he said, well, what are you upset about? And she said, um, because I have to scrub the floors here. And we're like, what? imagine being being told that uh, I have to scrub the floors at Cedars-Sinai or any place. And on the, on the note of Cedars, I want to say that the fact that Alcoholics Anonymous is in our mental wards needs to stop. Like, they need to get the hell out of um, a mental ward and stop bringing their stupid effing meetings there, and they need to offer, you know, Smart recovery, I mean, that's it for me. Moderation management, smart recovery. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much. Harm reduction, th- these other places. Yeah, wait, wait, one more. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 
And then just like Monica, I just want to say, Alyssa, I know she gave some recommendations, you know, obviously, um, what is it, the Center for Motivation and Change. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that there's uh, uh, that the Freedom Model, you know, um, I, I heard a TED Talk by a gentleman named uh, Stephen, um, Stephen, Slate. Stephen Slate. It was great. He really broke down the whole thing of how rehabs are creating addicts, which is so true. I was blown away. Another thing is, too, if someone's really into holistic medicine and true holistic medicine, a lot of these rehabs, this is another trick that they do, they'll say holistic rehab, and you'll get there. There's nothing holistic about it, like other than, you know, hey, yeah, yoga, if you're lucky even. Yoga and, you know, and talk about what a piece of shit you are all day. Sorry, I, it's just crazy to me. But anyway, if, you, if there's someone really into holistic stuff and plant medicine and believes in all of that, there's also um, a great, a, a true sober living aftercare program in Las Vegas run by a guy named Justin Hoffman. He's great. He does real holistic stuff. I mean, stuff. Yeah, it's called the Holistic House. The real, it's a real holistic house. And, yeah, and there's the... And then, and then also, too, in Florida, if someone's looking for just a medical, true medical detox with a 24-hour nursing care and, um, and where there is, you know, uh, medical staff and people that really will, will monitor you and will take care of you for, as far as medical detox is concerned, daylight detox is one. They take couples, they take anything, and they do mat as well, and you're not going to be scrutinized there at all. Very good, very good. And the other one is um, Practical Recovery. That's down in San Diego. He has only outpatient now. He closed down his um, inpatient. So great, great outpatient Practical Recovery. That's in the San Diego, San Diego area. There was none 12-step uh, that's in, I think, the Palos Verdes area. And if you're listening and, and if, if you or you know of a place that is really non-12-step, really science-based, and even um, and newer s- stuff, holistic, I'd like you to contact me, Monica Richardson, at makeaasafer at gmail.com, and let me know, and maybe we can interview more of these places that are non-12-step and educate people on the other options. I want to thank you, everybody. I want to thank Danielle for joining me today, and we'll have her on again. Uh, my name is Monica Richardson. This is Blog Talk Radio on Safe Recovery. Everybody, you have a great week. Um, a great month, a great life. No, just kidding. We'll see you on Facebook. You can see we're going to redesign Leaving AA. But again, um, Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery, share everywhere, and let's educate everyone that there is such a thing as smart recovery. MAT, which is medically assisted treatment, the Sinclair Method, harm reduction, and moderation. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.